This is the Boyfriend's Guide to Pop Culture, the podcast where the boyfriend, Nick, guides the girlfriend, Meg, through the world of pop culture. Hello, all you ghouls and goblins out there in podcast land, and welcome back to another episode of The Boyfriend's Guide to Pop Culture. I am your host, Nick. And you're also the boyfriend. The boyfriend, Nick. And I'm the girlfriend, Meg. And we have a very special spoopy episode for you people <laughs> out there. You don't like that term. You're very I confused by it. I didn't know it was it. a thing. Yeah, And it now, was. like, often you're saying spoopy and, like, it's tagged. <laughs> and I'm like, is that really a thing? <laughs> It and, is. And um, so... It's an internet thing where you, somebody misspelled the word spooky and it was spoopy. So, so everybody spooky on the internet... spoopy or complete synonyms. And yeah, yeah, just yeah. one's making fun of the other. Got it. All right. That's, that's you know, that's totally out of pocket. But, you know, this is our Halloween episode yes, that we're, we're recording uh, live on Halloween well, right now. we're not... We're recording it. Today is Halloween, and we will be releasing this later today. So yes. you will not be hearing it live. It will be pre-recorded. But yes, we are here uh, in the morning on Halloween to also get back in the habit. Since we've taken a little break, we're getting back into it. And we thought the best time to, to start getting back into it is Halloween. Halloween, of course, so, yeah. you know, it would be really horrible of us to, as a pop culture podcast, and not talk about Halloween. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today? Well, funny you should say that. You know, we keep mentioning the word Halloween, Halloween. What movie do you think would best personify Halloween? I don't know. I mean, there is a horror movie called Halloween. Hey, you'd be right. Oh, my God. Is that's that what we're covering one? today. Yeah, we're covering is 19. Is why we went to the theater and watched it? That's what we day. saw in oh, 4K, okay. Ultra HD. <laughs> at our local local theater the broad theater here in saturton pennsylvania yes it's Uh, a fun time there they got a brewery in there they're attached to a restaurant and it was fun seeing it with people too yes and and people were laughing during certain scenes you know that i didn't think was funny but still before we get into it i just want to say like i i really felt like a a a newer appreciation for the movie seeing it on the big screen yeah it's dark and you're in the dark theater with people just the movie the music and the and the, it's black and just that jack o' lantern. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like you mean when you're, it's first starting and look, it really has ominous. It's really ominous and really builds it up. Uh-huh. Especially if you think about like, I mean, how many slasher movies were out before this one? Like this is one of the original slasher films. Yeah, right? we could probably cover that in the discussion. Yeah, let's do that. I'm yeah. getting into it too much. But, but yes, we are covering 1978's John Carpenter directed Halloween. Yay. It was a screenplay by John Carpenter and his writing partner, Deborah Hill. It was produced by Deborah Hill. It runs at 91 minutes. It was filmed for a budget of $325,000 and brought in a box office of close to $65 million, making it one of, if not the only, uh, independently owned movies that went on to have a tremendous success, you know, having other movies that would follow it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, this is awesome. That's awesome. So, but before we talk more about the movie and the plot of the movie, what are we drinking today? Oh, we have drinky drinks in front of us. Yes, yes. we do. We have our drinkies, and they're like probably the most adorable drinky drinks we've ever had. Yeah. Especially we- since you're serving them to us in our Baby Yoda glasses. <laughs> our Baby Yoda old-fashioned glasses here, yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, we have a drink that is appropriately called the Jack O' Lantern, which Jack-o-lantern. is brought to you, the Jack O' Lantern. Yes, it's brought to you by thespruceeats.com. Okay. And in this drink, you have one and a half ounces of cognac, half an ounce of brandy-based orange liqueur, one ounce of orange juice, two and a half ounces of ginger ale, and it is garnished with a lime twist inside of an orange wheel on top to make it kind of sort of look like a little pumpkin when you put yeah, it in so the glass That's there. what I'm saying. It's probably the most adorable one that we've had because he has this big orange slice that's made to look like the top of a pumpkin with the, is it a lime? It's a lime stem. Okay, so it's like, you know, a part of a, the rind of a lime looking like a stem of the pumpkin at yeah. the top. It's really cute. We've even stuck straws in the middle. I, had, I took some pictures. I think we'll post them to our, so, our Facebook page. Our social yeah, media. I didn't think the, line, the, the orange wheel was going to be that big, so I'm just like, you know, it's going to have a little hand on it, so we just put straws through the top Yeah, yeah, that works. I mean, the reference picture you had, I think, had a, I'm, I'm looking at it now, a it was wider a small mouth glass, so the orange was pretty the small. But these are really nice, juicy slices here. So. Mm-hmm. Um, alrighty, so shall we clink and drink? Yes. Hashtag clink and drink, everybody. That was not See how a these good taste. Clink, but <laughs> yeah. it made a, a little noise. Dull thud, but mm. it's good. It's, it's a little funny because with the orange on top, I expected to taste citrusy, and it's not really citrusy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got orange-based stuff in there, so you oh, yeah, it would be orange, oh, orange liqueur and orange juice, but not a whole lot of it. I guess I'm, I was thinking more tropical. Anyway, no, but yeah, you're right. I taste the orange juice. It's been a while since I've had orange juice. I, you know, I don't generally drink it because yeah, we of don't, heartburn yeah. issues. But yeah, <laughs> I'm old people. Alrighty. Um, <clears throat> Shall we get down to the nitty? It's good though, Nick. It's really cute yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, let's get to, into the movie. Get down to the nitty gritty. Once again, as at always, the information is brought to you by the People's Encyclopedia wikipedia.org so here is our plot rundown on halloween night 1963 in the fictional suburban chicagoland area town of haddonville in illinois six-year-old michael myers stabs his teenage sister judith to death with a kitchen knife for the next 15 years he's incarcerated at smith's Groves sanitarium on october 30th 1978 michael's psychiatrist Dr. Samuel Loomis and his colleague, Marion Chambers, arrive at the sanitarium to escort Michael to court for a hearing. Loomis hopes the outcome of the hearing is that Michael will be locked away for life. However, Michael steals their car and escapes Smith's growth, killing a mechanic for his coveralls on the way back to Haddonfield. Upon returning home, Michael steals a white and expressionless mask from a hardware store. On Halloween, he sees high school student Laurie Strode drop off a key at the long-abandoned Myers house that her father is trying to sell. Laurie notices Michael stalking her throughout the day, but her friends, Annie Brackett and Linda Vanderklok, dismiss her concerns. Loomis arrives in Haddonfield in search of Michael and finds Judith's tombstone missing from the local cemetery. He meets with Annie's father, Sheriff Lee Brackett, and they investigate Michael's house, where Loomis tells Brackett that Michael is pure evil. Brackett is doubtful of the danger but goes to patrol the streets while Loomis waits at the house, expecting Michael to return. That night, Laurie babysits Tommy Doyle while Annie babysits Lindsay Wallace across the street. Michael follows them, spying on Annie and killing the Wallace's dog. Tommy sees Michael from the windows and thinks he is the boogeyman, but Laurie does not believe him. Annie later takes Lindsay over to the Doyle house to spend the night so she can pick up her boyfriend, Paul. When she gets into her car, Michael appears from the back seat, strangling her and slitting her throat. Soon after, Linda and her boyfriend, Bob Sims, arrive at the Wallace house and find it empty. After having sex, Bob goes downstairs to get a beer, where Michael pins him to the wall with a kitchen knife. Michael then poses as Bob in a ghost costume and confronts Linda, who teases him to no effect. Annoyed, she calls Laurie to find out what happened to Annie. Michael proceeds to strangle Linda with the phone cord while Laurie listens on the other end, thinking it's a joke. Meanwhile, Loomis discovers the stolen car and begins searching the streets. Suspicious of the phone call, Laurie goes to visit the Wallace house across the street and finds her body, her friend's bodies, as well as Judith's headstone in the upstairs bedroom. 
She flees to the hallway in terror, where Michael suddenly appears in the dark and slashes her arm, causing her to fall over the stairway banister. Injured, Laurie narrowly escapes and runs back to the Doyle's house, but finds she has lost the keys to the front door, where she fell on the staircase. Tommy lets her into the house. Laurie orders Tommy and Lindsay to hide and tries to telephone for help, only to find the phone is dead. Michael sneaks in through the window and attacks her again, but she incapacitates him by stabbing him in the neck with a knitting needle. Thinking he's dead, Laurie staggers upstairs to check on the children. She is shocked when Michael approaches to attack her again. She tells the children to hide in the bathroom while Laurie hides in the bedroom closet, but Michael finds her and breaks in through the closet door. Laurie stabs him in the eye with a coat hanger and chest with his own knife. She then tells Tommy and Lindsay to go down the street to a neighbor's house to call the police. After they leave, Michael awakens once again and slowly approaches an unsuspecting Laurie. Loomis sees the kids running from the house and goes to investigate, finding Michael and Laurie fighting upstairs. Laurie rips Michael's mask off, momentarily, momentarily distracting him as he seeks to put it back on. Loomis shoots Michael six times, knocking him off the balcony. Laurie asks Loomis if Michael was the boogeyman, which Loomis confirms. Loomis walks to the balcony and looks down to see that Michael has vanished. Unsurprised, he stares off into the night as Laurie begins to sob. Michael's breathing is heard during a montage of locations where he had recently been, indicating he could be anywhere. And that's a brief summary of the entire plot of Halloween for you there. Yeah, still missing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we can go into how deep we're going to discuss some of the some of the things that have not aged very well. Yeah. Um, but um, in general, it's a great horror movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a classic for, for sure. I mean, and it, and it really helps that it's called Halloween and, you know, taking place at the spookiest time of the year. So... Should we take a break and then come back for our discussion? Yeah, let's take a brief pause and then we will come back for our movie discussion. All right. All right, everybody, and we're back with our discussion for 1978's Halloween. That's right. So, um, should we first, before we even get into like breaking down what was missed in the plot and our feelings about everything, talk about the music? Yeah, probably. It's very simplistic. <laughs> you know, John Carpenter, who was who's the director of this music, he's also a very extremely accomplished musician. Yeah, I didn't know later, that Yeah, him. later on in life, he's kind of shied away from the directing stuff, mostly because, and I don't want to, you know, call him out on this, but some of his later work hasn't been really that good. Mm. So <laughs> he, well, he's know. been focusing more on his music, but he's a director and a musician, so... When it came to this, this, um, like the score for, or lack of better word for Halloween, he was kind of racking his brain on what should be used on it. So it it kind of came to him simplistically, like, you know, playing around the piano. Yeah, I, it's it's funny how like some of the most more simpler things that are done. Um, like when we talked about Jaws and the like that music score. Yeah, how it brings on this like great effect you know for someone to actually see that and and kind of like you know less is more kind of attitude so yeah. much so that when the uh john carpenter showed original cut of this movie it didn't have the score to it too he showed it to an executive and the executive was just like this isn't really that good you know i can't you know i can't really relate to it until he showed him it again with john scott jarn's score on over it and he's just like okay i get it now and okay. it, was, it, it really right. affected them that much yeah, if you if you watch the movie or you saw <coughs> yeah if you listen to it separately i feel like the effects diff separately are completely different mm -hmm. you know so like that's a really good point you know it just it really is an art to see how things come together like that and it's very simplistic in nature when you yes. when you think of it you know even though some of it you know the, the theme itself 
is five four time signature i'm getting into some of the musical theory type stuff and mm-hmm. five four time signature isn't something you really hear that much but when you hear you know it's an autonomous signature so it kind of said it takes you out of it a little bit yeah but then you know the themes that do persist over it, like laurie's theme you know that's Lori's theme when she's walking around. That makes sense. Yes. You know, that stuff. Perfect. That permeates the atmosphere to the, that thing. But it's 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 not scary in the traditional sense, you know? This one is kind of... You don't want to say it's the movie that jump-started the slasher genre, because there are certainly movies before that. You know, the granddaddy of all, you can thank Jamie Lee Curtis's mom for that, is mm-hmm. Psycho. That's right. And if you think about it... Following in her mom's footsteps. Yeah, Halloween and Psycho do have a lot of parallels, especially when it comes to Dr. Sam Loomis. Dr. Sam Loomis was named after the boyfriend of Marion Crane in uh, Psycho. Her okay. boyfriend's name is Sam Loomis, I think. His last name definitely is Loomis. I think it's Sam Loomis. So, And then you have the tradition of you know taking Janet Lee's daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, as a, a kind of you know successor to the Scream Queen aesthetic yeah. type thing. Ironically, then, later on, Jamie Lee Curtis is a star of a tv show called scream queen yeah 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 which is actually a delightful tv show i will uh-huh. say i have it's a comedy and there were a few a, more very enjoyable yes carpenter movies after this uh i think prom night is another one i don't know if that carpenter did that or not but he definitely did the fog which she's also in type thing so she takes up the mantle of her mother right. well even so like in another um slasher type film that is more our time frame, which is Scream, uh-huh. where this movie features on Scream, Scream, um, they they're watching the movie, you know, in the movie, and another character. Um, what's has his a, last name? What's the name? What's the last name of the killer? His last name Loomis too. His last oh, name is Loomis. <laughs> Well, I, you didn't realize that, did you? I didn't did realize you? that, but I do know that... His last name is Loomis. Oh, Randy Loomis. Oh, <laughs> Randy my God. Loomis. So, like... And in Scream 2, spoiler yeah. alert, the mother's last name is Loomis also. Oh. Yeah. Mrs. Loomis. Oh, the killer's last name. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. not Randy Loomis. And I was talking about Randy, though. But that makes sense. Like, the killer's last name is Loomis. Yeah. Okay, right, right, right. Billy Loomis, sorry, <laughs> Randy's. I don't know what Randy. He, I was. I was gonna talk about Randy because Randy's okay. the one. I'm talking who, about. I'm talking who about. Who talks about Sydney's Jamie boyfriend. Lee Curtis yeah. and her being in, um, you know, the the slasher movie and how she's like the slasher or scream queen. Like he talks about that too. She is what we call in sl- the slasher genre the final girl, which is right. the the. This kind of sort of set the bedwork, as Randy says so eloquently in the screen. There, there are rules in horror movies, in slasher movies, that you you can't use drugs, you can't have sex, and you can't show nudity type stuff if you're going to survive. And you can't say in this movie does. One out of the three of those things. Uh huh. She she does drugs, tech, you know, marijuana, which yeah, yeah, definitely is felt differently today than it does than it did back in the seventies. Okay, but like she, she gets, doesn't escape. So that's why she gets stabbed in the arm and then okay. breaks her leg, falling over the band. I guess we broke that genre by the time Screen came out. Cause, yeah. considering what happens with the last girl standing, Sydney Prescott. Yeah, that was but, totally unintentional. By the way, you know, Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis have gone on to say they weren't intending for you know jamie lee curtis to be the quote-unquote virgin queen the final girl final girl you know she she's just a babysitter and all this stuff happens yeah on the on this halloween night because i mean i guess that leads into like they didn't intend for that to happen they didn't intend for like this misogynistic view to come through because um which we're going to mostly ignore but i just need to mention it like how this part of it doesn't travel well, whereas it might have been seen differently in the 70s, but it seems to be a stereotype of, like, these neighborhood girls 
who were babysitting the local kids and also maybe having their boyfriends come over to have sex or whatever. And that in the whole, how that is transferred into this horror movie is that Laurie doesn't do any of that stuff. She's, you know, she doesn't, she's not, she doesn't, what, I'm not even going to say promiscuous. It's complete. Promiscuity. It's about just, you know, I guess not being a good girl and maintaining your virginity. And then for sure, her life is saved because of it. Because the other two girls who have sex... Uh, yeah, they're dead. Well, that that, that goes <laughs> that goes against the point. The, the when John John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis have both said that the you know the promiscuity of of like Annie and Linda in the movie mm-hmm. are are not to say that if you have sex, you're automatically going to get killed, right? Because like you're how a slut Randy and all and that Scream stuff. Interprets it. Yeah. Yes. The thing was, is it's just you're doing this stuff as a teenager. You know, stuff that you're supposed to be doing, right? Uh, you know, I didn't do this stuff as a teenager, you know, because I was a good boy. Uh, okay, mostly so you're, because, you're saying that, yeah. though. You're saying that that stuff is bad. Mostly because I be didn't, saying that. I didn't do this thing. stuff because I wasn't in college and nobody could see me, you know, doing the quote-unquote bad stuff. But, you know, getting drunk, getting high, getting laid type stuff was part of you're not paying attention to what the fuck is going on in the background. Is that yeah. this... Somebody who killed his sister 15 years ago has escaped from the mental facility and has come back to the hometown and is basically stalking you. And that's what that's what's great about this movie is that it's relatively bloodless, but yeah. the the part of Michael Myers, so to speak, and he's not really called Michael Myers in the credits. He's referred to and in the script as the shape oh. because you don't. You know it's Michael Myers, but it's. I mean, he's, he, he, he's wearing a mask. You he, don't know. The mask is what you see the most about because it's the starch white color. Yeah. Whereas he's wearing this jumpsuit that he kidnapped off a guy that he that he, he murdered. Yeah. Um, and then he's um, and that <laughs> when it starts to get dark, that jumpsuit is like a dark blue color, so it just blends in with the darkness. The original, and the, then the white mask with the little like bit of hair is what stands out the most. The original jumpsuit is black. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It looks. It looks if you look closely, like it could be black. like a dark blue. And you think it's in, in, in like the in, in some color movies, kind of like dark blue and type stuff. It could just be the way the lighting transferred through the older film and stuff like that. I don't but know. you know, Michael Myers has escaped from the institution, but yeah. nobody in this town knows that. But the, the the thing about the shape, so to speak, is that he could be, and more importantly, the way that this movie is shot, he could be and is everywhere. Yeah, it's a good There's point. no escaping him. Creep, he's just creeps out somewhere. Yeah. Like you'll see a shot where it goes past the window and he's not there and then it comes back, he's there, and then it goes back again and then he's not there. It's just like yeah. where is he? Where could he be? He's everywhere. And it's more importantly at the end of the movie, but we'll get to that. That's the the main thesis of the movie when you hear that breathing and it takes shots of everything yeah. where he has been. Uh, but more importantly, where he could be because he's fucking everywhere. Well, it start the movie very much. It starts out with him as a child in a mask, yeah. killing his sister, uh-huh. and you see it through his point of view. Mm-hmm. So you see it through the eyes of a mask, yeah. And then later on, as he becomes the adult that's now escaped and is, you know, going to kill again, he's doing it through a mask. Yeah, you know, um, that's the only point of view shot in the movie. The rest of the movie is taken from like other characters, though. Yeah, or we're just watching what happens to other characters. Most importantly, this is probably the fir- one of the first inst- instances where the where the 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 filming style of the uh, it's called the Panaglide, but it's more commonly known as the uh, what am I thinking of? Um, the the rig you have the rig in front of you and it can mu- move seamlessly from with one you point to another to another. Well, you don't need a dolly. A do- it's called a gimbal. Gimbal type thing. Okay, it's called a gimbal. <laughs> Thank so it's like you. basically like Sound. being on a track. It's on a track that you move, right? Because move before this on movies, you would have to have things tracked out. It would be on a uh, on a dolly. Mm-hmm. It, might, it might be also called a steady cam. Steady cam. That's, that's it. it. Steady cam shot. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Thank you, our producer. <laughs> steady cam. This was the first instance 
where Paraglide or Steadicam was used in that that first scene. And that scene was filmed over three days, and you would think it was one continuous shot, but it's actually three shots interspersed. But that was the first instance where it was used, and it was used into greater effect to my all-time favorite horror movie known as The Shining. Mm, and we will, that will be maybe That'll next That will be year. a different one, but, but this was the first instance where Steadicam was used. Okay. <coughs> to get um, that point of view shot. And John Carpenter said he was greatly influenced by an Orson Welles movie called Touch of Evil. Now, in the beginning of that movie, like the first five or ten, movie, ten minutes of that movie, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tracked shot. Now, what happens in the beginning of that movie is somebody places a bomb in in the the, the engine of a car, and you're following that car throughout the, the entire introduction of that movie. And what that establishes is you know what's going to happen. This is the this is the tantamount you know definition of tension, where you the audience knows what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but the people in the movie don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Hitchcock has said that best. Like, what's the definition of tension? The definition, or the definition of suspense, is let's say there's a bomb under the table. Mm-hmm. Now, the audience knows that there's a bomb under the table, but the two people talking to each other don't know that there's a bomb under the table, but the audience the does. The yeah. So, that's the very definition of suspense. When is this bomb going to go off? And in the movie Touch of Evil, with that, that tracking shot, about five or ten minutes, however long it is you know, builds up to ultimately the the bomb going off. I have a question for you, though, because there's definitely been used in movies, and I think this movie's a good example of when the only suspense is triggered by music. Yeah. Well, there's, you don't know that something's going to happen or not, but the build the music is building up and yeah, creating yeah. suspense. Mm-hmm. So you expect something to happen. And sometimes, <coughs> well, they won't do anything just to freak you out, you know what I mean, or to trick you. But sometimes it's used that something will happen, you know, at a at a moment. And there's sometimes where a moment like that will happen with absolutely no suspense at all whatsoever. Yeah. So I imagine those different techniques are are also have their own names. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to like cut you off. No, it's just, okay. I got my mind moving into those other things too that are obviously things that are used in scary movies and other movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, should we get back to the details of the plot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We discuss the you know brief. We did mention the beginning of the movie where he kills his sister, uh-huh. and then he ends up going. Um, to a, the Smith's uh, Grove Sanatorium, where uh, he's locked up for, right. for the past fifteen years. So then it basically cuts to fifteen years later, uh-huh. um, and then it's revealed that he's escaped, mm-hmm. and then it goes through his the psychiatrist's journey to get find him to bring him back, but also him trying to warn people and show how dangerous he really thinks Michael yeah. is. Like we really didn't know how dangerous he really was, just from. What happened as what was he six years old or whatever? Yeah, when he killed his sister. So, um, cutting to, um, n- what was it? Nineteen seventy five. Nineteen seventy eight. Nineteen seventy eight. Yes, fifteen years later. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then what? Where's where does it go from here? Well, you know, it 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 kind of s- sort of revolves around Loomis's trying to catch Michael before he ultimately kills again because he knows he's going to kill again and kind of sort of Michael's stalking of Laurie and Linda and Annie around he, he town with stalking Laurie yeah. and it happens because he goes back to his house where he had murdered his sister uh-huh. and he sees Laurie drop off the key yeah for her father because her father's a real estate agent which yeah. I, again it's kind of brought up more home to me. <laughs> um a uh, real estate agent asked her to drop off a key underneath the mat of the ha- of the house. Yeah, and then from there on, he's stalking Lori, and then yeah. also her friends. But um, <clears throat> I have to again talking about things that don't carry over well, but just to like address it so we can move on. Um, I think too there is some kind of undertone that the story is about almost him getting back at his sister for neglect in a way because she was supposed to be babysitting him and instead she's hooking up with her boyfriend in the house to the point where, you know, that happens. And then 
and you know, 15 years later when he escapes, he goes about trying to do the same thing again. Yeah. It's trying to kill the babysitters. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's almost like he sees Lori and identifies her as his sister, even though she's not. Um, <clears throat> she's as with, far as you she, know. As far as I mean, I know, as far I know, as I know, we know, that's like getting the whole. Well, we'll, we'll probably get into movie. that towards the end, you know. Yeah, so, and my my feelings with you know how the, all this whole franchise franchise turns out. out. So <coughs> the original term, the original the tagline for this wasn't supposed to be Halloween. It was called the Babysitter Murderers, and it was supposed to take over uh, a course of three days. But since they were on such a tight budget and they shot it in about i'm gonna say like about 20 days or so Mm -hmm. they kind of sort of condensed it into you know encompass one you know holiday itself and what's scarier than halloween sure yes that makes sense okay yeah but still it's it's focusing on that these that this guy has for some some reason i feel a, a need to Kill babysitters, including his own sister, who was a babysitter. Yeah, and again, that started out with her not even knowing where he was, really. Mm-hmm. While she's, you know, got a boy over, and then it, and then fifteen years later, he focuses on Lori, and then her, by extension, her friends, who are also in a way babysitters. Babysitter, yeah. Um, and Annie and Lori are kind <clears> of, <throat> you know, Annie and. and and Laurie are the babysitters, and then her, their other friend that could just the, over to have sex over at the yeah. house. So, um, but he kills the girls that are the ones that are having the boys come over, where Laurie, he does try to kill her too, but yeah. she's the one who escapes with her life because she's a quote-unquote good girl uh-huh. or whatever. So there is that, which is doesn't transfer as well as a good message you know, and now I don't think that was, we that's aware, the, the initial message. That I think intention. that's it's, but it is how it looks. It's kind of something that's put onto <clears> it. <throat> I mean, that's not how I see the movie at all. I kind of see it through the eyes of this, the person or or entity itself is just just kills for the sake of wanting to kill. I mean, until Halloween two came out, the sequel. You know, people kind of regarded Michael Myers of the shape much in the same way that re- they regarded Jaws in in Jaws. Mm-hmm. He's just he's a force of nature. He's a, a, a something that can't be stopped, but must be stopped <coughs> because he's just in. He's just and you know uh, uh, an unstoppable force. You know, he's a force of nature type thing okay. but does he really kill every person he comes across though then or not really he's he's prejudiced in who he chooses but you can kind of see the the parallels between the dialogue like the monologue that that loomis has and that uh quint has in jaws mostly the part where you know quint would say with jaw with sharks in general that the eyes of a shark are kind of lifeless, like a doll's eyes. They're black, you know, until they roll over white. And then so much so that Loomis says that there was nothing behind these child's eyes. He had black eyes, the devil's eyes. Okay. So you can kind of sort of draw those parallels there. I can see there. the parallels, but yeah. I can also say that Jaws, a shark, an animal, was not prejudiced against who he killed. Yeah. He just killed whatever he could get yeah. to. Yeah. Whereas Michael is not killing every person he can get yeah. to. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like, you know, maybe there's got to be something in there as to motive why he's choosing these people. Why is it these people he wants to kill? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he says babysitters. So he's not focusing on the people who aren't like dealing with babysitters, you know, and then it's just an underlying like, oh, notice how, you know, the babysitters that were, you know what I mean? Um, I'm just saying, I just wanted to address that it's there so we can mention hey we know it's there we're not saying it's okay that it's there but we don't need to focus on it as being an intentional um plot line in the story like it wasn't intentional that they're sending this message you know it's just that like back in the 70s or whatever that message wouldn't have been picked up or scrutinized like it is today and that's why i wanted to say that. i think with movies that have come after like the you know friday the 13th and you know all the slasher movies that have come out with it i think those motifs have kind of sort of been retroactively placed on 
Halloween where it wasn't that way. So, yeah. like I said, like, you know, John Carpenter and, and even Jamie Lee Curtis said, you know, it wasn't the purpose for Jamie Lee to be the, the final girl, as they say, because, you right. know, the kids were screwing around because they weren't virginal <clears throat> and all that stuff. The, the problem was that you weren't paying attention to what was going on in the background. But the thing is, it's... I don't want to say necessarily a product or a symptom of the slasher genre, but it kind of retroactively gets placed on it because this is, for lack of a better word, and, you know, not taking into account, you know, Psycho, which is the granddaddy of it, and kind of sort of, if you want to think about it, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out in 74, you know, four four years before... (laughs) Halloween came out, which is a you know another thing, another quote unquote slasher movie. But those things, it's kind of sort of a product of the genres that came after it. Yeah. So when Friday the Thirteenth comes out, when A Nightmare on Elm Street comes out, when all the the other slasher movies come out, everything that wasn't projected or was you know everything that was said in Halloween got retroactively placed on it even though the people that involved where it said this didn't happen at all so it kind of sort of was the genesis of the genre but it didn't necessarily spawn the tropes that have become so synonymous and definitely overdone with the, the, the things that have happened in slashers as of yeah, you know. even when you're getting into more our generation where it was Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. Um, which is how they bring back on the TV show. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and a new Scream's coming out, too. Yeah. You definitely, <laughs> and it never, it never ends. You definitely have a, a horror... T- when it comes to the slasher genre, you have a, a, a timeline <laughs> on, on stuff. Like, you have the genesis of, like I said, the stuff that came out before, you know, the granddaddy of all is Psycho. And then you have... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is between Halloween and Psycho. But then once Halloween comes out and it becomes such a great success, you have Friday the 13th, you have uh, you have A Nightmare on Elm Street, which takes the by the 80s, the the slasher genre, for lack of a better word, had kind of stalled out because you have this killer that doesn't say anything. What are you going to... How can you up the ante with a killer that doesn't say anything? Freddy Krueger, who comes up with quips and stuff like that, and, you know, jokes, for lack of a better word, and it becomes that stuff. And so much so that you have nameless sequels after A Nightmare on Elm Street, where that kind of sort of becomes tired and it becomes a parody of itself in the 90s. So what are you going to do to up that, but then kind of sort of make fun of that, which is where you come in with Scream, which is a slasher horror movie, but is self-referential of the horror movies that came before it, like Friday the 13th and Halloween and all that yeah, stuff. So much so, it, actually, they actually it mentions about the horror trope in the movie. Where, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm, if you it, do that, it's so stupid, sequels, but then they do the that. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess that's where, where it's unique, too. Like, how it kind of fits so into the tra- that. So the yeah. trajectory of the slasher horror genre is very interesting. Yeah, you know? that's a good point, because like, it, it dresses straight on that there's horror movies but then this happens in real life but then this real life thing becomes a horror yeah. movie um but like it, expo- it definitely explores the metaphysical and like breaking down the fourth wall but without breaking the fourth wall you know yeah. acknowledging that this is what it is yeah but you know it, you know type that that type of stuff yeah so much so that you know I wouldn't necessarily classify it Scream is like a horror comedy, mm-hmm. but it definitely has like it's those... become that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's okay though. I feel like cause, you know it. It's because in, and I don't think it would have been that if if it was one of the originals, but it's not. You know, yeah. I mean, and quite frankly, let's talk about but that's about that's horror where comedy like the scary movies, which are <laughs> very closely based on the story of Scream. Yeah. Um, but there are one hundred percent more comedy than they are horror. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you can't you can't talk 
about Scream without addressing scary movie franchise. <laughs> yeah. At this point, really? I mean, because I feel like they are scary related. movie. Just takes the the horror completely out of it and just takes the, the makes a joke of it. Makes a joke of it, and yeah. it's more it's more you know it's. But the, the later ones, it was the guys who did Airplane and the Naked Gun movies okay. to make it even more, you know, seem that this is comedy and to take the, the self-reverential and the aspects of, well, no normal person would do this. And then you're actually doing that in real life. Yeah. Um, getting back to really Halloween. Deep. Yeah. yeah. Like, anyway. Getting, getting back but- to Halloween. You know what? One of the questions that Jamie Lee Curtis gets asked of most of, and I know that you said it when we were watching it last night. Oh, really? I, yeah. said, what, I said it? Yeah. Um, no, what's the question? Why did you drop the knife? <laughs> She does it twice. I know. I she know. throws away the knife. Like, don't this throw away the time, fucking like, knife. What are you doing? Like, why do you think he's dead? I don't understand. And, and, and there's so many times that she's standing over his body. He's he's knocked out, and she could kill him. And and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You run away. You run away. Like, you get a, as much distance as possible, or you freaking kill him and make sure he's really dead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, those are your two options. Those are your only two options. But no, let's do this other thing where we drop the weapon over here and we just assume he's dead even though we don't really know. And let's stay within 10 feet of him. Yeah. You know, just because the safest route right there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh. Anyway, sorry. I just went one if you If you're one of those people that are to, like, choose your own adventure type things with Halloween, she kind of sort of learns her lesson in Halloween H two O, now it seems like she's, she's like, a, like, like a badass, like Linda Hamilton. Yeah, she's like, I'm not gonna Terminator fucking take no more, and then cuts his becomes, fucking head off. Yeah, same thing. But yeah. then Halloween Resurrection came out, and you're just like, oh wait a minute, she didn't cut off his head. It's somebody yeah. else. We see, we see Sydney Prescott. I think also make the same kind of journey through the, the sequels because isn't it like. It's happening again, and they're consulting her, almost as if it's not like it's happening like a ghost face murder. I don't even know. I mean, I'm talking about trailers alone that we've information yeah. we've gotten about the new one that's coming out. But in general, still by the, the last, I have to It's been a while since I, I, I only watched that last, very last one that was on Scream Four. I haven't seen Scream Four. I saw Four. it in the theater saw... one time, so that was a, a long, a while ago. I like, saw the first one, and then a couple ago. months ago, I, I revealed to you that I hadn't seen any of the sequels, and the sequels were playing on TV, so we're just like, okay, we're gonna watch the sequel. So we watched two and three, right? But I hadn't seen four, and of course, the new one that's coming out. Right. So yeah, so. Um, Maybe, but the slasher genre yeah. is, is is definitely one in, uh, of itself. Um, yeah, oh, so I, we're getting. A, I think we're getting a little bit off topic. We're definitely off topic, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it's our first Halloween episode, yeah. and since Halloween is such a big genre in general, I think that it's inevitable that these discussions are going to happen with oh, Halloween yeah. movies, and we only have one time a year to discuss it. So, and there's definitely I I you you've seen this one of the first time. One of the first dates we went on, well, not re- necessarily a date, but when when uh, our friend Eric came in and I was talking to him extensively oh. about horror movies and stuff, and you were kind of off with our friend, just be like, okay, I guess he's not going to talk to me now. <laughs> well, because you guys got, you were talking. Because <laughs> we got into a groove with that stuff. And I'm not like, I'm just like, you know what? I don't even know what the time we're talking about. We weren't about. really necessarily talking talk to someone else. And it was before we started dating. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily about superheroes. It was more about it was definitely more about horror movies and our subgenres on what our favorite horror movies were. Okay. Because I can't I can pin down, you know, what my absolute favorite horror movie is. Yeah, but you guys have seen far more horror movies yeah. than I have seen. So this is where like I can only go to like a certain level yeah. and then I'm like no. No, bye. <laughs> you know, like- within the horror genre, there are different subgenres where I can pick a favorite movie out of those subgenres. Like my, like I said, my favorite horror movie of all time is The Shining. That's number one forever and always. Um, number two would be The Evil Dead. I love The Evil Dead. I bow down at Sam Raimi's throne. On just the camera work in and of itself, and just how on such a sh- shoestring budget they managed to make one of the greatest horror movies ever, and it's definitely hokey, and it's it, it's low budget as a motherfucker, 
but I absolutely love it because people have always talked to me about that movie and I was just like, okay, I'll, I'll see it. I'll see it until I saw it in college. It was October 30th. And, uh, I think about my sophomore year when I was, I watched that. So I make it a point on October 30th to watch that movie or, you know, to see the evil dead around this time of year. And I probably, after we're done trick or treating tonight, I'm going to watch the evil dead when we're done, but that's neither here nor there. Yes, but they're definitely, trick or treating, yeah. but with children, but with children, right. we're going out with nieces our and nieces and nephews and stuff like that. <laughs> but there are sub genres just like, what's your favorite vampire movie? Fright night. That's my favorite one. What's your favorite zombie movie? Shaun of the Dead. That's technically a horror comedy, but it's it's yeah. my favorite zombie. Like, what's your favorite werewolf movie? An American Werewolf in London. That's my favorite. You know? No? I know. Originally, no? we were what's gonna do a that? week of different than horror that, huh? movie genres. You pipe up. Teen Wolf. You Michael get the J. fuck Fox. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's more comedy than horror. Teen Wolf. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Teen Wolf's a good movie, but it's not hard. <laughs> you shithead. <laughs> you just said werewolf movie. I don't know it was a werewolf That's movie. a good point. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> so much so that, you know... I'm surprised that you put werewolf and like vampire and all of them in their own completely different genre. Yeah. There, there's a series out right now. It's Eli Roth's History of Horror. Is that like if I were to say Twilight to the vampire genre of being... About like a horror movie. <laughs> it was I'll, like Teen Wolf No, no, no. That does not go on the list. That is absolute horseshit. That is horrible. It's not, it's not never, a horror movie. It's a, ever, it's a romance. That will like, never, ever be acknowledged. <laughs> ever. That's why I'm but, saying it, though, because I knew what you have It takes to the it. vampire genre, which has already been, you know, marginalized as to begin with, and just absolutely ruins it. <laughs> I'd also like to say that. The best vampire movie is Lost Boys. Okay. I like Lost Boys. Lost Boys holds a special place in my heart because that was the first R-rated movie I ever saw, and I was five years old. My mom bought HBL, and we're five years old. You know, it's an era where parents don't give a shit. So it's me at five years old, my brother at five years old, watching Kiefer Sutherland bite the top of a motherfucker's head off as a vampire and going, holy shit, that's, that's awesome. Bite. That's a big bite. Yeah. <laughs> he bites the top of a motherfucker's head off. He does it. and There's blood everywhere. Oh I'm just God. like, holy shit, that's awesome. I was five years old. That didn't affect me. What affected cannibal. me was a made-for-TV movie on ABC where Tim Curry plays Pennywise the dancing clown that scared the shit out of me until I was 12 years old I couldn't sleep Wait, without the closet door being open <laughs> that movie scared the piss out of me I well, I thought the movie was scary and I was but it didn't make me make me afraid of clowns it I'm not really afraid. Of and I love that something movie. about that my brother creeps me again it creeped me that the, the fuck first out that was one of the first scary movies on the theater together. Was it two? That was that was the remake. The remake, yeah, too. Yes, which I love both the remake and the original. The original um, was a t- made-for-TV movie on ABC, and it, it was. I still love it. Yeah, I know, and it scared the fuck out of me, <laughs> and um, it shouldn't have. But something <laughs> until I, if, well, we were children. <laughs> yeah. I'm six years old. For another six years, I couldn't sleep without my closet door being open and the light inside the closet door being on because I was scared shitless of Pennywise, the dancing clown. I I just want to say I'm so terrified of clowns that I've never seen it or, <laughs> or any of the remakes. Yeah, it, oh my it's God. scared. The, the, the thought shit of Pennywise. Of you. You've never seen I, it? I take care of a property that has a life-size it on their... Uh, their porch oh really and i i refuse i i do all the work in the backyard and i make someone else do the work in the front yard because it scares the living crap out of me oh fuck uh, that's I'm all gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna leave now I'm, I'm out later off, off, Bye. off uh <laughs> recording here thanks um okay <clears throat> so i could drive past it 
<laughs> we're getting way extreme. I know we're talking topic. about other movies. You know what? This is going to be a Halloween slash Halloween episode. This is yeah. This is definitely <laughs> a conversation that can carry on into different genres, into different movies, and different discussions. You know, you know. Our Halloween slash horror movie discussion slash horror movie in the movie discussion. Yeah, we'll see how the title goes. Anyway, but yeah, this movie Halloween to get us back on track even though we derailed somewhere down the line but i'm getting this back halloween has been uh is one of the movies that has been you know it's a it's a kind of sort of a darling heart into being low budget but making a shit ton of money Mm -hmm. after the fact like i said it was filmed for about three hundred thousand dollars it got bumped up to three hundred twenty five thousand dollars because when they hired her uh, they hired donald pleasance to play the the role of sam loomis he asked for twenty five thousand dollars more so it got bumped up to that and uh it brought in just a fuck ton of money just up to upwards uh, between the 60 and 70 million dollars which was a uh, you know unspeakable in its time and, and it's they still cont- a classic that people watch oh, every yeah. halloween yeah you know like i mean we went to a theater that was broadcasting it halloween eve last yeah. night you know um yeah it's low budget but it's not to the <clears> extent that evil dead is low budget so much so that I don't know if you know this, but the scenes where there's like leaves and stuff on the ground, because this was filmed in the spring in Southern California. So in so much so that when you look in the background, you can actually see palm trees and stuff. But it's supposed to take place in Haddonfield, Illinois. Uh, uh Another side note that it does have a, a little local ties to that. You know what? Haddonfield, Illinois, was named after what? The hometown of Deborah Hill herself, Haddonfield, New Jersey. Oh, and we don't we don't live far from Haddonfield. No, we don't. We drive through far. it yep. to go to the shore. We could drive to there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and okay, that's interesting. But it it was low budget enough that they had to take individual leaves and paint them to look the fall colors. And in certain seasons, they would dump the leaves out on the ground, and they would have them blow all over the 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 the, the yards and stuff. It looked like it's fall. Okay. To look like it's fall, but the, at the end of those scenes, <laughs> they would take those leaves, collect them up, put them in bags, and do it again. And do it again throughout throughout. Wow, that's how low budget it was. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. that's insane. Um, that's amazing though, because I mean, like, I would never have guessed in a, from watching the movie. I think also because of just the way the lighting was, that that the movie takes place at any season besides fall. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. So um, I think they do a lot of really good things. Um, you know, that are classic horror movie things, and to think that this is one of, one of the first ones to do it, do them. It makes me appreciate it, you know, even more knowing that the reason I see it and. And so many other movies I've seen is because it was first here yeah. first. You know what I mean? So um, I, I'm try- I tried to get into the shoes of someone who had, was seeing it for the first time. You know, uh-huh. never seen these these common kind of, <coughs> but become later Halloween tropes. Um, like what you were saying with the whole last woman. You know what I mean? The last girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how it, it started out. Yeah. So, um, and it's, and I think it's a really good movie. And it's also like a realistic thing. Like, this is something that could happen. Mm-hmm. It 100% oh, yeah, yeah, could yeah, yeah. happen. It, absolutely. I mean, and, and my forensic science person speaking up here that, you know, based on how it's shown on the movie that the, the scenes where he's strangling people, yeah. that he would have to be holding them strangled for far longer to actually kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I should really be like broadcasting that information as far as when it comes to like, you know, killing people. Anyway, but like I'm just saying, you know, as far as like other than that, like it really could happen. Like how how realistic it really is that yeah. some crazy person, you know, who for whatever reason wants to kill people, you might believe it's some evilness in him or voices he's hearing or whatever. I mean, mind you, let's also keep in mind that so he killed his sister earlier but he's also in the age range where he could be like a like have schizophrenia or paranoid schizophrenia could be setting in um and i'm not saying that people who are 
um, schizophrenics are murderers. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. But if you are the kind of person who's going to be hearing voices and have a legitimate mental condition that causes you to hear voices, that's one that's very likely. Um, and, you know, that's all I'm saying about that, that, you know, maybe in his case, in his rare case, if it was a real story, he was hearing, you know, negative things, you know. Yeah. So... He definitely, um, <clears throat> when the second movie comes out, now we're now I'm going to get into my discussion on the sequels, the sequels and stuff like that. Them. Yeah. Before we even see them. But, you know, by the second movie, it's kind of revealed. The second movie, Halloween 2, in my opinion, and I know a lot of people don't like it, but I, I love, I absolutely love Halloween 2. Maybe even more than I like Halloween 1. I like Halloween 1 a lot, but I like Halloween 2 a lot more because it continues the story. It's it's still on the same trajectory. It's, it's the continuation of what happened when Loomis looks down on that lawn and sees okay, that. Okay, so it's, it's like an immediate sequel. It's an immediate sequel. Immediately happens. Because it, 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 it does set you up. For a sequel right away. Yeah. But the fact that he doesn't die at the end, that he goes missing once again. So it's almost like the story really didn't end. Like, yeah. Because it doesn't... Now, refresh my memory, because most of my watching of these movies have been pieces yeah. over the course of my life. Never sitting down and watching them. A few years ago, I did finally sit down before you and I were together and, and watched... Right there, watched Halloween from uh-huh. the very beginning to the very end. Like instead of having just seen parts of it, and you know, yeah, and um, and even then, like rewatching it again last night, I'm like, oh, that's right, I forgot about the whole. Even like, if the intention wasn't to set up sequels, just having that ending, right? It, you know, ending right. like that, right? But but for it to actually be like, okay, so the the it's almost like. It's one story that's cut up into two parts where yeah. instead of, you know, a different story that's a sequel to the events that happened in the first one. You yeah. Know, you know, so it's, I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm saying it, but yeah. Anyway. And like I said earlier, the Halloween franchise has kind of sort of become a choose your own adventure type deal on w- which storyline do you want to follow. As of recently, you know, it's become Halloween and then the Halloween, which came out in 2018, and then the subsequent sequel, which came out a few weeks ago, Halloween Kills. Do you want to follow that timeline, or do you want to follow the timeline, you know, Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween H2O, and Halloween Resurrection? Or do you want to go Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, 5, and 6? Or, you know, the Rob Zombie, just the one and two. It, it, it's completely become a choose-your-own-adventure type thing. Okay. The, the thing that, that set it up was, in Halloween 2, it gives the unstoppable force of nature a motive. And that's what a lot of people don't like about Halloween 2. It, it establishes the fact that Michael Myers and Laurie Strode are brother and sister. Oh. In that one, I think it, I think I remember feeling people. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like that, and they didn't like that because it takes away from the the otherworldly effect of of Michael Myers and just gives him. But he's just an evil a person and just wants to, to kill people to kill. Okay, but I I love that fact, and so much so that when it comes to the Halloween franchise, since it is a choose your own adventure type thing with each individual person choosing what they want to believe in that stuff for me it's halloween one and halloween two and that's it everything else is just shit it's just he comes back he continues to follow her into the hospital it's revealed that their brother and sister he gets loomis and michael myers get blown up and they both die and, you know, it's him laying face down, you know, burning to death, which is why if you watch like a movie like Halloween 4, knowing what happens in Halloween 2, it makes absolutely no sense because it's just like, well, he was just kind of sort of burned. He was laying down burning for a good five minutes and, it, you know, nobody could survive that. And But, you know, the whole fact of, well, he's not human type thing, blah, 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 and all that shit, but... 
when it comes to the Halloween franchise, it's Halloween one, Halloween two, and everything else that follows. I tried I to get. We won't be covering those other movies. Then. We could call, could cover them at some but point. The, but there's other they're, ones. They're, that they're kind of sort of shit, you know. Yeah. And I was really on board with the 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 Halloween reboot in 2018 up to a certain point. Now, people who've seen the 2018 Halloween know what this point is. I'm not going to say what it is. But once it gets to that point, you just go, what the fuck is this? You, it, it takes you out of the movie completely. And it, it it took me out of the movie, and I couldn't get back on board. I'm just like, it was too fucking ridiculous. Hmm. And it's not really that big like a thing. Like jumping the shark moment. It was definitely a jumping the shark movie. I'm just like, I, I'm just like, and it just completely took me out of the movie, so. Gotcha. I understand. I get it. I think we should probably, <laughs> I think we've gone on long enough with this stuff. Well, I have a question, though. Yes. How do you feel about it being a choose-your-own-adventure, um, like, uh, story because like do you it's very that's, it's very unique with that stuff and i'm not gonna fault anybody kind of innovative in a it way. very is I it mean, really did, is did because they do it on purpose like that or just i don't think that they did that way? No, i think it worked kind of sort of worked out that way now considering how successful the new halloween and halloween kills have been there might be uh, a part where that extends into maybe other franchises. One of the ones that I have talked about for a long time is maybe possibly a better sequel to Alien and Aliens because Alien 3 is kind of horse shit. Mm, okay. Now, if you had a proper sequel to Aliens, I would definitely be on board with that because also when it comes to Alien and Aliens, the storyline with the xenomorphs and all that s- stuff... It ends with Ripley and Newt and uh, and Bishop and uh, Hud- not Hudson. The other, you know, there's still a slate floating out in space. And I don't acknowledge it. I don't acknowledge three. I don't acknowledge four. Maybe Prometheus and, you know, that stuff that came before. But I haven't seen them. They're not very good. Even though Ridley Scott is attached to it and he directed the original Alien. But that's neither here nor there. But there might be... Something that sets up a better sequel to Aliens. I don't think that you can do it because Aliens is the superior sequel to Alien. And that's a that's a whole other discussion where it's it takes the horror movie but then places it in a like it it becomes a horror movie. Alien is a definite horror movie, and then Aliens is like a Vietnam War movie in space. <laughs> Vietnam horror movie in space. That's the best way to describe Aliens. And Aliens is like the superior sequel. Aliens is really, really good. Okay. Um, So do you think that (laughs) this, you know, pick your own adventure? It's not bad. It's not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault anybody for, you know, going on their own, to each their own. But I have chosen my own path. Just the mm-hmm. way everybody else can choose their own adventure kind of, with the Halloween series. Do you think that this choose your own adventure thing applies to any other genres be- besides scary movies? Probably not. Okay, so then it's kind I of can't like think of anything else. a big deal than the fact that you know Halloween and scary movies has this ability to yeah. do this. This pick your own adventure kind of um, thing could work for it. You know, unlike maybe some other stories. Yeah. So anyway, it's something of note. I, um, but yeah, we think we've dissected because we've gotten even into how you feel about the sequel, which I haven't even. <laughs> I I know that I've seen most of this of Halloween too, yeah. but I don't know much about anything about any I of the others. I love Halloween too. Um, so and a lot of the tractors, even John Carpenter himself doesn't like it, though he did write a bunch of it. But he was drunk while he did it. But still, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because you're. I think it wraps it. It wraps it up perfectly. You know, is imperfect as it is, it's still in my eyes perfect and it wraps up that story in two movies it's just a continuation of the first one mm-hmm. it's a perfect not really perfect but it's it's in line with the first movie so okay. much so Alrighty. that's a discussion for an, another day maybe next halloween yes you will see 
Well, I think that we should also talk about the fact that um, this is our first movie coming back out of our little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, we'll be we've taken a little bit of a break. In the in the future, probably next summer, just because we've had it's just it's been busy. Things have happened this year. It's been a year. It's like John Lennon says, "Life is what happens when other things get in the way." That's right. So, um, and. Um, we wanted to get back into it. So this kind of got a little off track talking about Halloween in general and scary movies in general. But I think that it was appropriate considering w- what a huge part of pop culture that scary movies you yeah. know, take up. So and, and and Halloween. Yeah. And definitely a genre which I can talk at length about. I feel the same way because I love Halloween and I, do, and I love scary movies. Um, but definitely want to have the... Liquid courage in me too. A little bit. <laughs> um, those drinks were good. They so, were. Um, also, um, we, we have my, you know, our partner podcast, the yeah, girlfriend's guide to true crime. Yeah, you want to talk about your partner crime. podcast? Yeah. Um, and where I guide Nick through the uh, world of true crime, but we're also going to be recording a special episode that will will be available the same day as this one, or shortly in tandem, you know. And yes, it is our very first combo podcast where mm-hmm. it's, it's another episode of um, the, the Boyfriend's Guide to, to Pop Culture, but it's also the Girlfriend's Guide to True Crime. Because it does have true crime elements and pop culture elements yes, inside it's, of it. It's yeah. a, it's, it, is a, it is a real-life true crime. It's a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup That was also made into a horror movie. Stuff, yes. So... We are going to be covering that as our very first combo episode, so please stay tuned to that and you know give it a give it a listen. Give it a listen, give it a like, and make sure you share with all your friends and stuff. Yes. So um, I guess that's that's it. We are signing out then. Yep. Okay, kids. Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Happy Halloween. If you enjoyed listening to us today, please help us spread the word by rating and reviewing us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Please also hit that subscribe button and share us with your family and friends. You can find us at anchor.fm slash popcultureguide. Please help us become better by emailing us with episode suggestions, constructive criticism, or just say hi at popcultureguide at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page group that you can become a part of at facebook.com slash the boyfriend's guide to pop culture. I'm the boyfriend, Nick. And I'm the girlfriend, Meg. This has been another episode of the boyfriend's guide to pop culture. And as always, please remember to stay fit, keep sharp, make good decisions. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him the word that I'm not a rover. And tell him that his lonesome nights are over. Be